En el pie de Cody Parking. 43 yardas. El snap. Le mete el pie. Distancia, dirección. Le dio el poste. ¡No! ¡Falló! ¡Oh! ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor! ¡Los hijos se van con la victoria! ¡Ay, papá! ¡No, señor! ¡No, señor! ¡Chicago! ¡Chicago! ¡Nos vamos para New Orleans! ¡Filadelfia gana el partido! ¡Le dio el poste! ¡Le dio el poste! ¡Y falló! Parking falló! ¡Los hijos ganan el juego! ¡Ay, papá! Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Daniel. And we are Civil Youth, and you are listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. These are just emotions. Coming through the emotions. They make it seem like I'm the only one. This is my moment to break free to a lot of tour and throw the key from whatever is holding me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're finally talking about a post-Eagles win. They take down the Buffalo Bills last week and uh, finally win one of those three games on that three-game road trip, and now they head home for the, uh, the the first matchup against the Chicago Bears since the double-doink game. And who better to have uh, you know some Bears analysis, insight, and uh, just good old-fashioned you know discussion than our good friend Lauren Cox, who makes his return Two Eagles enemies right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. Lauren, welcome back to the show, man. How's it going? Hey, uh, doing well. I appreciate you guys having me back on. It's it's under very different circumstances for the last year for both of these teams, but it's still somehow an exciting matchup. Yeah, this matchup uh, is going to be you know a, a big one in in a lot of ways. Uh, Lots of things have gone on in Chicago since we last talked. Obviously, the double doink caused Matt Nagy to uh, find a newfound obsession with kickers and, and making sure that they can kick in all sorts of different ways. And uh, it seems like a lot of people in Chicago are turning on Matt Nagy now, as well as Mitch Trubisky. What's the vibe been like with these Bears uh, so far through 2019 as we head into the second half of the season? It's been disappointment after disappointment, I think, for Chicago Bears fans. And the team didn't do much to try and temper expectations this offseason. Not that they were you know, proclaiming Super Bowl champions or anything like that, but there was a, a pretty high confidence level coming off of 12-4 and four and feeling like they should have been able to beat the Eagles in that game, that they were you know, a, a field goal away and that they, they held the Eagles' offense to just 16 points, and that should be enough. And et cetera, et cetera, all the what ifs of what didn't happen after a 12 and 4 2018 season. So you come into 2019 and it, everyone expects more of the same. Uh, you know, another contending for a championship playoff type team. And, you know, after seven games, they're three and four sitting below 500. The offense failed to completely take any steps forward and has only seemed to go backwards. And the defense. Not quite as dominant as they were last year, but still playing at a very high level. And now you've got a team that's more wondering, you know, do they do they have to even you know maintain this same core? Is this the right group, or are they going to have to blow some things up here in the near future? A, a lot really hangs in the balance for the rest of this season. 
Yeah, is uh, you know, looking at this this team overall, is is Mitch Trubisky the answer for this team? Because a lot of people are starting to uh, kind of see, you know, the downside of him and his inabilities. But does does this Bears team still believe in him? Is is he the guy that they still want to roll with moving forward? They're going to give him every opportunity, I, I would think, to the rest of this season at the least, to prove that he can still be the guy. And at this point, you know, we're, we're more than 30 games into his career. We're halfway through his second season in Matt Nagy's offense and his third season in the NFL and he really hasn't taken noticeable, you know, meaningful steps forward. He's gotten better, and he's not, he's not a rookie quarterback out there anymore. There have certainly been improvements and progress, but he hasn't shown the ability to be a difference maker in a positive way consistently at the quarterback position. And I, I think there are some real doubts about whether all of a sudden now, in the final eight games of this season, he's all of a sudden going to, turn it around and be some quarterback that he hasn't been through the first 30 games of his career. So the, the team is expressing all the confidence in the world in him and trying to back him 100%, and I think we're going to see them really ride it out with him. But uh, the writing's been on the wall for a little while here, and I, I have a feeling this is sort of it for Mitchell Trubisky. And it, it's it's a little weird because typically when a quarterback is, is struggling and uh, you know not finding his way, he turns to the tight end. But Trey Burton has been almost invisible uh, for this Bears offense since he arrived from the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mitch seems to be turning to Allen Robinson, which for you know fantasy purposes, I'm sure Allen Robinson fans are are thrilled, and you know Chicago fans have to be thrilled because he was a big free agent signing. Uh, what do you think it is that the connection is there with Allen Robinson, but almost nobody else in this offense? Yeah, it's, it's some of it is is definitely Trubisky based, and I would say a lot of it is is sort of you know, scheme and, and quarterback in the sense that Trubisky has not been one to go through a very full progression on dropbacks this season. And it's sort of the debate in Chicago is how much of that is sort of designed by the head coach and necessary by the head coach versus maybe is the coach holding the quarterback back in some way and not letting him you know, run more of a full offensive and, and be a, a full progression quarterback. And I tend to be on the side that the, 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 co- the head coach is only trying to do as much as the quarterback can handle. And a lot of that is sort of snap, quick read, quick throw to typically Allen Robinson. Your number one wide receiver tends to be the sort of the primary target in a lot of your quick read concepts. So it's a lot of, you know, curls and slants and quick outs and things like that. And the tight end is rarely that in your scheme. And you know, Burton, Burton would kind of be two, two or three or four down in the progression there. And for whatever reason, the connection just has not been there. And I think Burton has been a little bit underwhelming in terms of his skills. You know, he's not, he's not a world beater in terms of, like, speed at the tight end position. It doesn't seem like he's, you know, separating as well as maybe you would have hoped to kind of plug him into this role. And he has never been a, a great, like, after-the-catch guy either. So it, it's just kind of been a, a little bit of a disappointing fit. And there, there were some injuries in there as well that played a factor. But and the Bears have a lot of problems, and, and the tight end position is, is right up with them. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, the offense doesn't look great, but the, the Bears' defense is still playing at a high caliber and looks really good. Um, you know, this defense, even since last season, has been regarded as one of the best in the league. What keeps clicking for this Bears defense to keep them so dominant outside of, you know, the big names on there like Khalil Mack? 
Yeah, so they, they came into the season playing really well, and then uh, there was a, a couple games stretched there against the Raiders in London, and then even a little bit of, you know against the Saints and, and Teddy Bridgewater, where the defense kind of lost their their energy and their their identity of, of you know the high quality of play that we'd come to expect. But they they seem to kind of get things back on track last week against the Chargers. So there's, there's sort of some expectation that they'll be still at that level playing the Eagles this week. But it, it's really been a, a nice step forward for Chuck Pagano taking over as defensive coordinator, trying to do a lot of the same things that Vic Fangio did, but still mixing in some of his own different creative you know, options as far as different looks in the front seven and, and maybe bringing a little bit more pressure than the Bears were used to under Fangio and, and doing some different things coverage-wise where you know, still, still very heavy in the zone, but sometimes a little bit more too deep rather than a lot of the single deep that they went last year because they replaced Adrian Amos in box safety with HaHa Clinton Dix, who is a similar skill set to Eddie Jackson in terms of both of them being a little bit better as those deep safeties to roam on the field. So they've, they've gotten away with being able to do a little bit more too deep coverage stuff, but uh, you know, being able to stop the run, of course, has been important, and they've had to come back to that a little bit more in recent weeks and bring guys down. So it, it's just a, a collective, I think, consistency. And the pass rush had kind of disappeared during their down slump, and I think Khalil Mack starting to kind of re- refine that energy a little bit, and the defensive line starting to kind of take advantage of some of the things that he's able to create for them just by taking up so much attention. And I think it kind of bleeds out from there that the rest of the team, the rest of the defense can play aggressive because they know the guys up front aren't going to give the quarterback too much time to, to scan the field. Now, the last time these two teams played was in the playoffs, and, you know, the, the infamous double doink for Chicago fans and the famous double doink here in Philadelphia. Uh, was Matt Nagy's offseason, you know, obsession with finding a kicker that went to even the extent of calling Pat McAfee and trying to get him out of retirement uh, to be a place kicker rather than a punter. Was that a bit of a detriment to this team as, uh, you know, they were trying to get prepared for for this season where he was just, you know, so focused in on trying to find a kicker and then game one comes around for the Bears and the one thing they did right was, you know, kick a field goal. Uh, Was that something that kind of held this team back a little bit? It's hard to tell exactly, right? I mean, I think they feel good about it because they produced a kicker that they feel confident in. Even though Eddie Pinero just just missed the potential game winner last week against Los Angeles Chargers, and had actually missed one earlier in that game, he had been very solid through the first six games of the season for them, and had hit a very similar game winner against the Denver Broncos in Week 2 that really kind of galvanized him for the team. So they feel like the results justified the process that even though it was quite a bit of a spectacle that it it worked in a sense that they did find a guy. But I I do think it was a little bit much in terms of dwelling on last year. Like, Like I understand, you know, wanting to do everything in your power to find a kicker and trying to do some different things to do so. And I, I don't necessarily have a problem with all of that, but Matt Nagy was obsessive over the double doink in particular that you know, that the team would play that and play back the Eagles game in particular for their team at meetings throughout the organized team activities and that even in the training camp so guys can remember how that feels and what that means. And then, So then they'd have kicker competitions where they'd line everybody up for a 43-yard field goal from the same hash where the double doink was and have eight different kickers all try that. And it just kept, it felt to me like they were kept living in the past a little bit too much and being a little bit too obsessed over that one result from that one game because I felt like the Bears lost to the Eagles in that game 
to me, was more about an offense that could only score 15 points than a kicker who missed a last kick that the Bears probably shouldn't have even had to be in that position if they really wanted to feel like they were the better team that deserved to win. And Mitchell Trubisky threw like three dropped interceptions in that game and really had a bad first half, and they couldn't run the ball. And Tariq Cohen State, I mean, there were a lot of things the Bears did very poorly in that game before and uh, before Cody Parkey missed that, that kick. So to be so obsessed over the kick specifically, I, I thought kind of, not that it gave everybody a pass for their poor play in that game, but it just I don't think it put the emphasis in the right place. So how much has that affected them this season? We can never quite know, but they, they found a kicker, so <laughs> it, it, it worked to some extent. Very true. And it seems like a lot of Chicago fans have taken, uh, you know, a, a, a deep admiration for Eddie Pinheiro. There was, and now, you know, after, it's like they love you until you mess up, right? And, <laughs> and he, he was kind of endearing, and, you know, he was Eddie Money and, and, and Dinero Panero, and he had all these nicknames. And then in the first half against the Chargers last week, he hit the upright, which, of course, was uh, the, the ultimate sin for a kicker in Chicago right now. And then at the end, of course, missed the kick. But he was also 3 of 5 on field goals in that game. And when your offense is, again, attempting five field goals, when you had five trips to the red zone and were only able to get one touchdown out of it, again, it's like by the end of the game, the kicker becomes the story and the focus point of like, oh, man, they missed that kick. But if the offense had been able to score more than 16 points in a a big game, then it's no longer the problem. So, yeah, I I still think Eddie Pinero has has the support of the fan base. The pitchforks weren't quite ready to to come out for him just yet just because – uh, all of the anger and, and frustration is being directed toward Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, uh, it's 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 an interesting dynamic that is going on in Chicago. But uh, again, we have another uh, kind of revenge game of sorts as Alshon Jeffrey taking on his former team again. Um, you know, with this Bears defense and how they've kind of you know bolstered the secondary a little bit, like you said, bringing in Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Uh, what are your expectations for Alshon? playing against his former team uh, this time in Philadelphia? You know, I'm expecting Alshon to have his opportunities, right? I mean, I think, I don't know that he's going to go off for a, a huge game, but I'm expecting, you know, kind of something similar to the, the wild card game, where I think he had a, a handful of catches and a couple dozen yards. Or, you know, it was, I think it was in like the, the 50 to 80 range off the top of my head, and, you know, it's, it's a solid game for him. I think he knows, especially Kyle Fuller, when, when those two are matched up, he knows Kyle Fuller's going to give him some space off the line of scrimmage, and he knows kind of how to work that and where he can kind of find his angles and, and where the space is going to be and what, what Fuller's going to give him and what he's going to have to earn. And I, I think that's a matchup Alshon Jeffrey can take advantage of. And then on the other side, it's Prince of Mukabara, who plays much more physical enough at the line of scrimmage and, and, and didn't really spend any time with Alshon Jeffrey in Chicago, so there's not quite that same familiarity there. So I'm, I'm expecting, you know, Alshon to get some of his, but I don't think he's going to have a, you know, one of those big once, once or twice a season Alshon Jeffrey performances you get where he just goes off randomly for no reason. I think it'll be solid, but it's not going to be a game breaker. Now this Bears team is relatively healthy heading into uh, week nine, which is always a positive for any team to have as little injury concerns as possible. But the biggest one is that Kyle Long is on injured reserve probably won't suit up for the Bears ever again. How big of a loss is Kyle Long to this team, and uh, what's it do for that Bears offensive line um, now that he's been out for the past few weeks? So Kyle Long, of course, is is the leader of this Bears offensive line, the sort of the face and the voice and, and the man up front. 
and and that it can't be uh, overstated in terms of, of the value there. But in terms of the play we've seen on the field this season, he has not been and was not the the Pro Bowl caliber guard that we had kind of come to expect. That he, and and he didn't start with anything on the injury report, but after a week or two, a hip thing came up, and that's ultimately what they shut him down with. And, and for the, for a decent stretch before he was put on injured reserve. He was being pretty consistently the worst offensive lineman on this team, which is kind of a it was kind of a sad state to watch and kind of marking the end of his career in, in a way that is not as uh, fun for the fans. So when he went out, you know, it, it's not it's hard to say it's been like a drastic upgrade, but it's definitely been an improvement at right guard with uh, Rashad Coward stepping in the starting lineup. He's actually a converted defensive lineman. He's only in like his third year playing the position, but he's done a good job for a guy that was a bit raw coming into this and seems to be getting more and more consistent each week. So I think, you know, the offensive line has been a little bit better without Kyle Long, but it's still, it's been a, an issue a lot this season, particularly everywhere else, you know, around now Rashad Coward, that they just haven't been able to run block very consistently until last week. And the pass protection has been sort of below the standard that this team came to expect last season. So it, it's sort of one of those, add it to the list of things, especially offensively, that haven't gone really well for this Bears team. Now, one of the uh, the rumors here in Philadelphia is that Deshaun Jackson has a real shot to play this week. If Deshaun does, uh, you know, suit up for this Eagles team for the first time since week one, um, how much does that change, you know, the way the Bears' defense kind of attacks this Eagles' offense? It's definitely going to stress the Bears' safeties more and, you know, create more of that space. I, I imagine it creating more space in sort of that intermediate area where, you know, Deshaun, we know he can take the top off, and we know he can really kind of stretch and challenge your, your defense in a lot of different ways. And the Bears absolutely have to be able to respect that. And so, you know, I, I can picture Deshaun Jackson, no matter where he's working, if he's, if he's going deep, there's going to be sort of that space in the area that he filled. And so I could see there being, you know, if he's on the outside, there's going to be some vulnerability sort of towards the sideline. If you're talking about a flood concept where, you know, he's going deep and somebody's in the flat. There's going to be some space there in between for an out route for a guy like Alshon Jeffrey or even sort of over the middle of Sean, if Deshaun Jackson working up the seam, you can do like a dagger concept with somebody running more of a deep dig in route across the middle. And I think at times we've seen the Bears defense have some vulnerabilities in there in the sense of like put the linebackers in a difficult spot where there's somebody in front of them and there might be somebody coming behind them that they can't see and they have to just kind of feel that. And I, I think that could be some vulnerability there. So whether that's Alshon being able to take it, you know, take some of that space, or if it's Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard kind of working up the scenes in the middle there, I think there's going to be some more opportunities. Then of course Jackson, of course, can win some of those deep shots as well, and it's just it's it's that speed element that just kind of throws another wrench in everything. So you can't just play Alshon Jeffrey physical down the field and sort of expect things to be fine and keep things in front of you. He he makes things go behind you, and I think the Bears would really have some trouble with that. And, you know, if, if that does factor in, how does that kind of, you know, weigh heavy on the Bears in terms of covering a guy like Zach Ertz, who, for all intents and purposes, has not had a good season this year in terms of, you know, offensive production? Uh, you know, if Deshaun is in, what does that do for the Bears, you know, scheming and plotting for Zach Ertz and even Dallas Goddard, who has been more successful in terms of offensive production with Carson Wentz this year? Yeah, offenses in particular have focused on the Bears linebackers pretty often in terms of where they want to throw the ball. Like, and I think that a lot of that goes to the tight end position. I mean, certainly 
it's been receivers working across the middle as well. But when you can sort of stress them with that tight end spot, even if it's not Ertz himself being the the sort of the ball carrier and making the plays, but just sort of that threat, especially because it's a guy like Ertz that has that reputation and certainly plenty of tape to back up a high-quality tight end play, even if he's not getting you know seven catches in this game, if he's just sort of there and, and taking their attention, it, it absorbs so much of that uh, that middle of the field where if the linebackers are kind of collapsing to him, there's a lot of space in that area around it again, sort of in the deep middle of the field there and, and to the flats where the linebackers might be trying to work over. So I don't I don't know if Ertz is going to have the the big bounce back game, but I think the attention that he can uh, attract in the middle of this Bears defense can leave a lot more opportunities for, you know, dumping off the running backs out of the backfield and more space for the receivers to be able to work, particularly over the middle. The other revenge game, you know, in this script is Jordan Howard playing in his first game against the Bears uh, since the offseason trade. Um, what did you make of that trade when it went down? You know, Howie Roseman being able to get a guy like Jordan Howard for so cheap, and uh, what do you expect him to be able to do uh, against the Bears' run defense? I thought the Bears were a little bit too quick to give up Jordan Howard, especially for as little of a price tag as they they got for him. I, mean, I understand they wanted to try and get some value, and the, the rumors had been swirling in Chicago for quite some time about him potentially leaving, and so it wasn't a huge shock when it happened, and it seemed like a great deal for the Philadelphia Eagles. But I, I thought they could have at least tried to hold on to him a little bit longer and kind of see how it worked through training camp and just have as much talent as you can in the backfield because the late-round pick that's what is a sixth that could turn into a fifth mm-hmm. for Howard. It, it, ultimately, it's, it, that's not really moving the needle from a draft capital standpoint. Those picks tend to not really pan out into anything great statistically. So I, I thought it was a little bit too hasty to move on from Jordan Howard. And, and I'm expecting in this game he's either going to have uh, a big game or be shut down completely. And I haven't been able to decide which one I think is actually going to happen. <laughs> I, I think this Bears defense could just sort of all come together and say, no, we're not letting this guy, our former teammate, run all over us in this game. But at the same time, the Bears' run defense, as of late, with the exception of the Chargers last week, has really not been nearly as consistent. And you know, They let Josh Jacobs and the Raiders break 100 yards, and then Latavius Murray, the, the Saints' backup running back, with Alvin Kamara out, he also went over 100 yards. And the interior of this defensive line hasn't been as good with Akeem Hicks out on injured reserve with the chance to return later in the season. So I think Jordan Howard is either going to be a man possessed and break out for 100 yards or the Spurs defense is really going to try and key in on him and shut him down. But I'm, I'm, what I'm not expecting is anything in the middle of like you know a handful of carries for, for some decent yards. I think it'll either be it's, it's all or nothing for me with Jordan Howard in this one. And to go along with Jordan Howard, the Eagles drafted Miles Sanders, who has looked very good in the passing game with Carson Wentz, especially with Deshaun Jackson out of the lineup. Uh, how have the Bears kind of defended those types of running backs where they are the receiving threat, can kind of make plays out of the backfield you know, in the receiving game, and also run the ball uh, to have that kind of versatility? How do you uh, expect the Bears to attack the overall running game of the Eagles with Jordan Howard uh, being kind of that, that bully back, like you said, and then uh, Miles Sanders being able to do pretty much everything. Yeah, the Bears haven't faced a ton of you know dynamic pass-catching running backs this season. I mean, they played the Packers, the Broncos, and you know, the, the Raiders and Washington. A lot of these teams that have sort of – they have some good running backs, but they're more, you know, the big, the big running 
running backs. And it wasn't really until Austin Eckler last week with the Los Angeles Chargers that the Bears faced like a, a really dangerous, legitimate threat for, as a receiver out of the backfield. And, you know, Eckler had his, his catches. He, he made some plays, and especially that, you know, they lined him up at receiver a couple times as well, and then he was able to get some things there. But I think, generally speaking, the Bears defense likes to funnel things to the running backs in the sense that, like, offenses check down a bit in those regards, and, and not so much that it's like dynamically scheming things for the running back where you're, you're really intentionally looking for him, but just like this defense wants you to kind of check down and they're willing to allow you to make the two or three yard catch on that play and they'll wrap up and tackle and they don't care what your completion percentage is as long as you know, you're not being able to move the ball too far downfield. So I would expect Carson Wentz to be able to go to Miles Sanders in the passing game quite a bit and, and Jordan Howard if he's, you know, if he gets those opportunities. But I, overall, I'm not expecting that to be necessarily the huge difference maker in this game. I think the talent that the receivers, that the Eagles have, you know, at, at receiver and tight end, I think that those are the areas, especially if Deshaun Jackson's back, that can be enough to put this, them over the top of this Bears defense. Now, one thing that this Eagles defense has done well this year is stop the run. Um, has David Montgomery kind of lived up to the, the early career expectations that Bears fans have had for him? And uh, what do you expect from this, you know, trio of Bears running backs against the Eagles' uh, defense with David Montgomery, Mike Davis, and Tariq Cohen? So this is the big question, I think, for the Chicago Bears offense because they have had a, an inability to run the ball for the majority of this season. And some of that has been a, a lack of willingness from Matt Nagy to go to the running game. Uh, against the Saints, they passed 54 times and handed it off seven and received a lot of criticism for that. And, you know, some, somewhat rightfully so. Some of it is, you know, difficult game situations. They fumbled twice in that game, and different things kind of popped up along the way. But last week against the Chargers, the, David Montgomery had his first 100-yard game, and, and the Bears really established the run and kind of looked like as balanced of an offense as we have seen all season. And yet it was still only good for 16 points, which tells you that they have to be able to do more than run the ball. So it, it's hard to know whether... Last week is the start of something new, or if it was just playing a bad Chargers run defense that has given up some big running games to opposing teams this season. So I would expect the Bears to try and stick with it again and really trying to get as much as they can out of it. And it's going to be heavy David Montgomery, and you're going to see Cohen be much more uh, lining up at receiver and, and in passing situations only. And then Mike Davis hasn't really gotten a ton of run on the offense, and the Bears have been very complimentary of him along the way and just kind of said, well, it's more a situation thing, and we just haven't had been able to find snaps for him, but we really like what he does. So expect a heavy dose of David Montgomery in terms of the running game, and then Tariq Cohen will still play quite a bit of snaps but not get a ton of carries. Now in this matchup, what's what's one you know in-game matchup that you're most looking forward to in terms of how this game script could go, whether it's for the Bears or how the Eagles kind of attack this team on offense or defense that uh, you know could flip the script one way or another? So a lot of this to me is going to come down to how consistently Mitchell Trubisky can play. And I think in that sense, what's going to come up for me is, is in the offensive and defensive lines in that regard. And I, I do fear Fletcher Cox going up against the uh, the right guard I mentioned earlier, the fill-in for Kyle Long, Rashad Coward, just because Coward is so new at the position and it, it's still a, a bit of a raw you know, work in progress for him. And he's been... Very impressive, given sort of the context of where he is in his development. But uh, a veteran interior off defensive lineman like Fletcher Cox going up against a uh, you know an inexperienced and 
work in progress right guard, I think is a, a recipe for some real struggles there. And the Bears haven't faced a ton of really good interior pass rushers or even interior run defenders, but especially interior pass rushers. I, I have my doubts about the Bears being able to keep a very clean pocket against this Eagles pass rush as a whole. And uh, I'm circling Fletcher Cox getting those matchups against a potentially vulnerable young right guard. Fletcher Cox, your namesake, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I got to support my brother, you know. Exactly. Um, now, would you say this Bears offensive line is kind of that X-factor unit for you in this game, knowing that they're going to have to elevate their level of play against this Eagles pass rush that just brought in Jannard Avery to uh, kind of bolster things as well? Uh, would you say that's the kind of the positional group that you're most looking at to, you know, be the X-factor if the Bears uh, are to come out on top? Yeah, other than quarterback, and, and that's kind of that's not really a positional group, you know, per se. So I, mean, I think Mitchell Trubisky's going to have to do some things in spite of his offensive line. But I, I think the biggest biggest factor in terms of a group like that, you know, when the offensive line can get the running game going and give Mitchell Trubisky some time to in the pocket to be able to throw, that's at least putting your quarterback in the best position for him to be successful. And, and whether or not he can do that consistently, even with those things, is, is still a question. But at least when you can eliminate some of those excuses and factors around him, at least it gives you a better evaluation of what you have at the quarterback position. Very true. And uh, On the Eagles side of things, from your perspective, what would you say would be the X factor that could you know push this Bears team down to 3-5? and five? Well, I, I think it's, it's a combination of things in terms of that offense. Just being able to stress this Bears defense in different ways. That, and I feel like this defense can take away some of the things that you want to do. But between you know, a back like Miles Sanders and even you know, Sproles and everybody they have in that backfield, being able to threaten you, on, you know, in the passing game that way and having a pair of tight ends that can do some damage there, plus add Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey back on the outside, potentially with Deshaun Jackson. And it feels to me like that might just be one or two too many things for the Bears defense to have to keep up with. So I have a feeling somewhere in there there's going to be some opportunities for this Eagles passing game to really kind of get going. And then if the Bears offense can't score consistently, it's not going to be a question of like, you know, the Bears offense trying to keep up per se with a shootout with the Eagles offense. But I think the Eagles just have to score enough points to where the Bears can't, you know, the Bears have struggled to break 20. If the Eagles can hit 20, I think they'll be in the clear. Yeah, this game's going to be very, very uh, interesting and entertaining, to say the least. Lauren, I know you're a man of many ventures. Let everybody know where they can follow you on uh, social media and where they can uh, check out all your work, because I know you're all over the place now, especially uh, with your new venture with PFF. Yeah, so I, I do a lot of things. I'll, I'll keep the short version. I, I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus. Uh, you can hear me on the Lockdown Bears podcast. I, I write for the Bears Wire, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And you can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. Lauren, it's been a blast to have you back on the show. Thanks again for uh, coming on. You know, if we have another Eagles-Bears playoff matchup somehow, someway, you know uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking to you again this season. But uh, really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to this weekend's matchup. Hey, happy to do it, as always. Always a good time, and I just hope we don't come down to a field goal in this one. <laughs> that would be something. All right, Eagles fans, you heard it there. Uh, this game is going to be very interesting, in my opinion, and it looks like it's a game the Eagles can win. I hope they can uh, come over and uh, come back home, do the damn thing, 
and and come out with a win. You know, give something to these home fans that haven't been able to watch this team absolutely stink for the past couple weeks outside of Buffalo. Uh, something to look forward to before we head into the bye week. You know, we kind of punted at the trade deadline a bit. Didn't really upgrade the team as much as a lot of Eagles fans would have wanted. But we got to roll what we got. And this Bears team is the next test. The defense is going to be a big test for this offense. And hopefully Deshaun is back. Sure, he's probably not going to be 100%. But you got to take what you can get. I think there's a big Alshon slash Jordan Howard revenge factor in this one. And, uh... I'm very much looking forward to Sunday at 1 o'clock, even though my vacation will then come to an end. But Eagles-Bears is always a doozy, and it's the first game since the double doink. It's going to be wild. Got to thank Lauren for coming back on the podcast. Good friend of the show. Make sure you check him out. He does a great job with everything that he does, whether it's the, the Locked on Bears podcast, writing for the Bears Wire, doing his thing with PFF. He's the man. He's a myth, and he's a legend. And, uh... He's Fletcher Cox's brother, you know? <laughs> Not really, but uh, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews with your thoughts on this Bears game and what you think is going to go down. And you can also follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app. You can follow and stream us. The TuneIn app. And we are now on Radio.com. So you can subscribe to us there. And uh, whatever podcast app you use, we greatly appreciate you listening to us on there. But this has been the Week 9 of 2019 edition of Eagles Enemies right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, Kyle Bennett. We are signing off. Go Birds!